Is it Max Jacket fucking wicked? Welcome to the Waking Up Thoughtcast. I'm your host, Amy Kay, and it is Sunday, February the 9th. Hello. It's been a few days. How are you? Me, you ask? Oh, I'm fucking killing it. I'm good. I had a good sleep. I made a nice big old cup of coffee, and um, I'm ready. I'm ready to think of stuff, I think. <laughs> It's going to be a little clunky, so buckle up, okay? But we're going to try to get through this because we all know I do this based on sheer compulsion. And uh, I felt like it, so here I am. How are things? How have things been going? What's been going on? Yo, have I told you that going out for breakfast is probably one of my favorite pastimes of life these days? It's a little tradition that Myself, my friend Brian and Nat have started. Ryan and I have gone for breakfast a couple times. I've gone with my work partner once and we're planning on doing a lunch soon together. I think this week actually. And it is quite a nice thing to do. I mean, dinner and lunch and brunch and all that are nice, but breakfast, something about waking up early and going to have a nice breakfast. Oh, I feel like I got a bite on my lower back. It's itchy. Oh my God, I was talking about there being a spider in my room yesterday because I saw one in the storage closet where I keep the vacuum and I saw it crawling and you know what? I had mercy. I had mercy and I left it alone. And I said, you know what? You can stay in there as long as you don't come out of there, which I'm sure it does. Although I'm sure that particular spider lives somewhere in the wall. He lives somewhere in the wall. And uh, as long as it doesn't crawl up in my bed, I'm thinking I should be totally okay with that. I don't know if it will. It's possible it did. And maybe that's what bit my back. I don't know. But, uh, you know, I feel like I can coexist with a spider or two if I don't know that it exists. Um, or if I just know of one. Because they eat flies. And uh, for the most part, they stay out of my way. And it's really gross to kill them because I always kill them very violently. I've broken a couple of brooms killing spiders, which should indicate to you that I smashed that thing on the floor with the spider in between the broom and the floor probably an unnecessary amount of times with an unnecessary amount of force. If I didn't, I feel like it wouldn't have died. Unless legs are flying out and off the body of a spider, I do not feel satisfied that it's dead. It's kind of fucked up, but it is what it is, and my comfort comes before a spider's. Yo, if you don't want to get fucked up like that, dear spiders, you probably should not walk into this house. You are welcome to hang out outside. You can crawl into the dirt. It's warm there. Stop coming to my house, especially you nasty, large, hairy-ass brown ones. I'm not a fan. Don't like ya. Don't think you're cool. Don't want to be friends. Don't want to have a pizza date. None of that shit. Anyways, breakfast. That is something that I love to do. I feel like more people should do that with their friends. Go out and have a nice breakfast. Go to Denny's. Go wherever. Just have your coffee. Have your morning chat. 
talk, blah, 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 sit, enjoy your meal. And then we get up and then we usually go for a walk after. It was kind of rainy a little bit. So we uh, ended up going to the Coquitlam Center Mall and kind of walking around. And I got a couple of things from Bath and Body Works. Because there's just something about things that smell really nice. And for me, I especially like things that have a, a very sweet kind of fruity smell or a vanilla smell. You know, I got uh, I got confetti cake body spray. It smells like a vanilla cupcake. It is to die for. And I got this strawberry scented one and this other one called On the Beach, which just smells like you're wearing tanning lotion, but it's fantastic. Mm-mm-mm. I prefer those to perfume just because they're not as concentrated and strong. I can wear them on like a regular, regular day, you know, which is nice. So yeah, we went for a walk and it was a good morning. Saturday's kind of a busy day. Usually it's hard to do things just because it's the only day I have to clean and do stuff. So yeah, aside from that, it is love month. I guess also known as Black History Month in the States, also known as Super Bowl Month, but that's all over, so woo. Um, and Love Month is kind of fun. I am, I always try my best not to buy into like Valentine's Day hype, but I'm like, yeah, I want to get little cards for everybody and blah, 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 blah. Like those dinky ones, maybe like, um, like Disney ones or something (laughs) give to all the adults in my life because I'm still such a child and I don't want to grow up in so many ways. So it's little novel things like that. I mean, I don't think anybody hands out Valentine's day cards anymore. That was definitely maybe a third to seventh grade sort of thing to do, but I always like it and I always write little silly things. So everybody's Christmas card this year had some sort of silly thing or joke inside of it. And uh, that was fun. Like People would read them and be like, ha-ha, you're right about the thing you send your card. And I'm like, yeah, I'm somewhat of an aspiring comedian. Just so you know, I'm a great writer in my own head. (laughs) Just kidding. But uh, yeah, you know, people appreciate inside jokes and little things that you remember about their conversation. It just makes a card so much more personal. That's my favorite thing about getting cards for events is writing in them, not not getting the actual card. Although once in a while, I will be out and I'll just see the most perfect card ever. And I'm like, oh, I got to get this for a specific special person because they're awesome. And uh, it doesn't need to be a special day for me to remind them that they're super awesome. And I love them super lots. And, uh, you know, cheesy, corny, lovey stuff like that. (laughs) Lately, I've been just kind of revisiting things that I tend to have an obsession with. You know what I mean? Like I just, I'm trying to get out of just being obsessed with one thing. But it always seems to go like that. So I'm, I'm still and always will be just in love with Dead Mouse. That's my thing. But now I'm trying to... I can't apply all my energy or spend all my energy just listening to that stuff all day, all night, all the time. So it's like I should take a turn and really deep dive into other things that I like. And uh, you got to wonder, like, what is it 
that makes someone obsessed. Obviously, there's some huge feeling of pleasure that comes with listening to something that I really like or whatever, you know. I like to feel a lot of feels and things that make me feel a lot of feels, I tend to gravitate towards. With people, that's a little complex because the more good someone makes you feel, the more bad or if someone can make you feel good at a 10, they can make you feel bad at a negative 10. And it's not even necessarily because they're making you feel bad at negative 10. It's because when they give you a plus 10 on the feel good scale, a little bit of a discrepancy between where that is and where it could be in the, on, towards the negative end of the spectrum just feels like a larger discrepancy. And that's something that I'm like, because I think emotionally in a lot of ways, I'm kind of an extreme person. It takes a lot for me to kind of find a balance in the middle. I mean, it helps to know both sides of the spectrum as much as possible to find that middle. But anyway, um, so I tend to have a little bit of an imbalanced view sometimes on how bad something actually makes me feel just because it makes me feel really good. But with music in particular you know, this dead mouse thing, this whatever it is, you eventually everything just starts getting a little tiring. You have to mix it up and you have to do something different. You need a little bit of variety in some way or another. So I'm like, you know what? I have not done a deep dive into Nine Inch Nails. I think now it's time to do a Nine Inch Nails deep dive and get into them and listen to their albums and or their, his albums because I'm a big fan of Trent. Because he's mucho talented. And uh, he's been around for a lot longer than I was aware of. And why not? You know? Can't just be obsessed with one thing. It feels unhealthy when you're just tapping into one thing for for enjoyment always. All, for all the time. Oh, I don't feel like listening to a podcast. I'm going to listen to music. And then listening to the same songs over and over again. And I can't even help it. I don't get sick of them. So I don't know what to do. (laughs) I don't get sick of them. You know, I guess some people don't get sick of certain things. You just keep going back for it. And if it's a positive thing, hey, why stop, right? If it's a negative thing, well, I don't know. I'm not going to say much about that. I think I have. I'm definitely not. I've never understood the idea of indulging in things that are just clearly negative for a long period of time. Why? What kind of brain do you got that just wants to or gravitates towards negativity? I don't really know. Generally, people gravitate towards pleasure. But then there's some things that bring pleasure that on their face seem like they're enjoyable, but are actually detrimental long term. And I'm definitely obviously not talking about music now. (laughs) just in general, right? But again, I do digress because I don't super want to get into that because it can be, I don't know, kind of boring, kind of, I don't want to, I don't want to get into a funk or all negative. It's by Monday. So just want to be aware of my own indulgences. But yeah, I love feeling things, therefore I tap the keg of the things that make me feel a lot. And even though there aren't many songs that Joel has with lyrics in them, man, the way that he produces melodies, 
is just so insane. He's so good with piano, and that kills me. And uh, I think I'm a big sucker for the whole piano thing, for sure. Musical instruments and just musical talent in general is probably my favorite form of art to indulge in. I just think it there's something different about a musical brain, about a brain that can compose music and make it sound just beautiful and working and good beats and all that kind of stuff, okay? So that's the thing with that. <laughs> Plus, it feels super good to feel. I'm, I'm at a point now where it's like, I don't care if it's bad or good. As long as I'm feeling stuff, I don't ever want to feel like I'm numb because some people just keep ignoring stuff and ignoring it. And in order to do that, like you just kind of numb your feelings. <sighs> Pretending things don't exist doesn't come without consequences, but that's everything. But that in particular, yeah, that always sucks. You can only pretend for so long that things are fine. But underneath the surface, things bubble and boil and toil and trouble. <laughs> bubble, bubble, toil and trouble, okay? What are you going to do about it? You're going to be stupid and keep ignoring it and keep letting it just eat you alive on the inside? I guess so. It's kind of like the um, how the monster was in Billy or in Will in Stranger Things. Like it just appears like it isn't there in a lot of ways, but it is. It's just totally overtaking Billy's mind and just controlling him. He doesn't even know what the fuck's happening. Eventually it just gets like that where you start snapping and shit and you're like, I don't even understand what's happening. Well, it's because you have all this unsettled shit inside, dude. Obviously, you're not addressing things. Other people have to eat shit from your failure to address things because over time, that's just kind of what happens. You turn into some twisted up, cunty version of just the Grinch from the inside of you. And you're just spitting bile at people because you can't contain it anymore. But still, somehow you're not aware and cannot acknowledge that you're being a dick and you could probably improve your situation. That's what I don't get about people who don't address their issues. It's like, why, why would you not want to improve things for yourself, first of all? Because that is the first byproduct of actually addressing things that bother you or that you don't like or whatever, you know? And then it also makes it easier for people who have to deal with you. No, not ringing a bell? Is that difficult? <laughs> It just improves your relationship with yourself, which in turn improves your relationship with other people, which is what's going to make everybody happy in the long term is if they can actually have people they can connect with for real, for real, for real. Yo, you want to connect for real because once you get those connections, it feels really good. You know, it feels good to maintain a good human connection. It feels good to have an argument in a good human connection. It feels good to take space. It feels good to be together. All the things feel good and they don't make you feel nerve-wrackingly insecure as you are because you are very insecure. If you can't just address your shit, you're just being taken over by your insecurities. And it's we all got them. 
but we got to find ways to manage them because it's really not anybody else's problem to deal with your stupid ass insecurities. It's not your partner's problem. It's not your friend's problem. It's not your family's problem. It's your fucking problem. And enough of trying to put it on the world to deal with you and accommodate your sensitivities. Okay. You're going to be rejected in life. Let's all get used to this. This is what it is. It's going to happen. Maybe some people are just not for you or you're just not for them. They should be able to make that decision in the same way you're going to get to make that decision when someone comes along that you don't want to hang out with or spend time with because you just don't like them. And you're supposed to have the guts to be like, nah, I'm not interested in your bullshit. Thank you very much. I respect myself too much to spend my time here because there's things I would rather do than spend time here. And then you feel good. Or, I love spending time with you. I really like you. I'd like to maintain a connection with you. Let me do what I need to do to make sure I don't screw this up. And then when I see you, I'll make sure that I do my best to keep those things upheld so that we can have a good relationship. And hey, maybe it'll last a lifetime. Maybe we'll get to spend many years together and see each other grow and see how events in our lives have changed us and talk about those things and see how much we've learned from the last time we had something that we experienced together in life. Isn't that freaking nice? It is so nice to have people to talk to about your life. It is nice to have people to talk to about small, stupid shit that you just, that just emerges in your mind. It is just nice to have that. It's nice. And then you're like, oh, I'm not the only one who has weird, random thoughts. Oh, I'm not the only one who does weird, quirky things. Oh, I'm not actually alone in the world because I managed to deal with my bullshit and establish real connections with people. And now I feel good about it. Ta-da! And that's how it goes. But that doesn't come without effort. And that doesn't come without dealing with your bullshit and your insecurities. And again, not putting those on people. You can't. We all need insecurity and emotional management for ourselves so that we can build better things for ourselves, you know, have good people around and try and minimize as much of the negative type people as you can, because there are just going to be places where you have to deal with that shit. Like work is one of them. We all know there's a person or whoever at work that might just drive you up the wall And you need to be able to deal with that. And you have to have a certain amount of energy for that. And if you're boiling at the sight of this person at work, that's not management. You know what I mean? You should be able to exist in the same room as somebody you hate for the sake of, well, this is my job. This is what I need to do. And I will do it because I have to do it. And keep them out of your way and not make it a problem. (laughs) Some of these things that I'm talking about are ideals, but isn't that what we should strive for is ideals. You don't reach them, but uh, they're good to, I mean, you don't get there always. Sometimes you do. You might surprise yourself one day. You might act in the most ideal way. And that's great. That feels real good. You know, considering the circumstances, if you can pop out some idealism or some idealism emerges because you thought about something and then you executed it in the way that you wanted. Well, gosh darn, wouldn't that feel good? Yes, it would. But can people give themselves enough time and patience to work through some of their stuff? I don't know. It seems like not. 
it seems like not. We live in this crazy fucking society where everything, we've gotten so used to getting everything so instantly that we don't want to be patient for things to unfold slowly as they should. We need results now. I need to know now. Are you mad at me? Tell me now. You need time to think? No. Well, that's not good. It's a bad. It's a very bad. It's no good for you. Mm-mm. Sometimes you have to take your time. Sometimes you have to do the think. Oh, yes. Do the think. It's good for you. It keeps the doctor away. <laughs> and I swear, I think it does. I think it does. But anyway, enough me. How about some reading, shall we? Let's uh, find some articles pertaining to love month because maybe in some way to some small degree I'm going to play into the whole red pink Valentine's Day month stuff because I like the colors I'm going to be honest with you I changed my keyboard and my mouse to be all pink purple and red and it looks pretty fucking rad I'm really into this neon motif right now the brick wall back and the neon writing or even just a black background and neon that's like my thing I fucking love that shit. You know what I'm saying? So it fits perfectly. And all my wallpaper matches too because I just feel like things need to match. It's an important thing. Aesthetics are important. And I'm vain. And uh, I'm quite all right with that. All right. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> love songs are nuts. Here we go. <laughs> And with Valentine's Day just around the corner, it might help to remember that. I'm serious. Love songs are bonkers. They are cray-cray. They are cuckoo. As you listen to them, don't take them too seriously. I mean, yeah. Have you heard some, some song lyrics? They are kind of nuts. In fact, don't take them seriously at all. You'll only get in trouble. You could end up with a broken heart or a restraining order. You know, in a movie or in a song, when someone is proclaiming that they're doing some crazy shit for someone they love, there's something in me personally that I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe this guy would do this for this girl. It's so amazing. And then the song's over and I start thinking about it and I'm like, hmm, this is actually some very stalker behavior. <laughs> I don't actually know how comfortable I would be with this. Like, you love a girl so much, she doesn't want to be with you, but you're trying to, like, get into her window and trying to follow her around. And I don't know if this is the best behavior to encourage or, you know, sing about or be influenced by. Definitely not be influenced by. But you know what I'm saying? Like, some music out there is just crazy because love makes you feel fucking crazy. Trust me, I understand so well this feeling. Things that you wouldn't think to do. You're like, I want to do this because I feel this thing so strongly and I just don't know how to entirely express it. So I must do something absolutely insane to show, to illustrate how crazy this feeling makes me because it makes me crazy. And it really does. There's sometimes you're just like, I don't understand how I can feel so many things for a person like this. 
This is fucking nuts. I should not be feeling this. I should not have the ability to feel this strongly about another human being. But holy shit, man, some people just elicit that feeling out of you and it feels real good. And then they just express that level of craziness in a song. So yeah, important not to take it totally serious. You know, some are toned down in, with the lyrics and that's all right. But uh, yeah, <laughs> <clears throat> to find out just how crazy they are, you need to turn to Rational Emotive Behavior Therapy, REBT, a form of cognitive behavior therapy, CBT, that follows the philosophy that it is not the events in life that disturb you, but what you tell yourself about those events that disturbs you. Absolutely. This is something that uh, somehow, even though I'm, I'm well aware of this, I tell myself or I seem to think I'm not aware of this, but it, it's, it's very important the way that you think about events that occur in your life because that is what you are going to think about the event. And from that mode of thinking about the thing, the emotion manifests from it. So the stories you tell yourselves, the stories we tell ourselves about the things that happen in our life are important. The way we tell ourselves those stories are important because we can start creating shit that doesn't even exist. People don't have ideas, man. Ideas have people. You latch onto the wrong ones, you're going to start creating a totally wrong and incorrect mental and emotional ambiance for yourself that you're going to exist in. And it's just going to ring back at you in such an unpleasant way. And that's because there's dissonance between what you're telling yourself and between what actually happened. And that discrepancy doesn't just go away. You feel it. You feel it. So you got to tell yourself as much as you can the correct story about what happened. Just deal with the shitty and the good. But anyway, I do digress. And although REBT, remember, that is Rational Emotive Behavior Therapy, doesn't typically concern itself with love, which, let's face it, is not the most rational of emotions in the first place. It can focus on love problems such as insecurity and being too clingy or jealousy and being too possessive. It can help keep the most lovelorn or overly loved up of people on a more even romantic keel. Because when you're stuck, if you don't just act, but you overreact, it's not because of the thing. It's what you tell yourself about the thing. Change what it is that you tell yourself and you get to change how you think, how you feel, and how you act. So this is really crazy just because it's, I'm all on music today, right? There's a song called Only and the chorus of that song Trent says, there is no you, there is only me. There is no fucking you, there is only me. So he, the, the way that I interpret this song is that he's creating something, an idea of a thing that is now causing him pain. You know what I mean? And then he's like telling himself, no, it's not you, it's me. Like I'm creating this thing. So in the same way, a thing can happen and you can feel a thing and then you can take whatever that feeling is and you can either make it worse or you can talk through it and actually think through it and compare it to the the parts of the situation that just occurred and try and balance those things out. But your reaction a lot of the time will be to something that is not 
an accurate interpretation of what just happened. It's weird to use the word interpretation because obviously that implies everybody can have their own and they can, but there are always objective facts of a situation. There might be a few details that people don't agree on and that's usually based on feels, right? Um, but again, if, if you don't get carried away by the emotion of the thing and you're able to think about it, at least let the emotion subside and think about it, it'll change how you react to the thing. So you can hype up your reaction more or you can lessen that reaction based on the thing you're going to tell yourself about it. I know I'm just repeating myself here, but it's such a an amazing revelation to recognize that because you catch yourself a lot more when things are happening that make you react on the inside, like really make you either really tense or angry or whatever negative emotion you can think of. And then you take a minute and you're like, oh shit, why am I even getting mad? Generally, that's just my reaction because I don't like, I don't like being angry unless it's something worth being angry about. And if I have that reaction, I need to just take some time and like, no matter what it is, because I can't trust when I'm mad regardless, right? It's like there's certain things I can't trust about myself when I'm in love. I'm just going to be a certain way. And there's some things I need to check myself on to make sure I don't act based on a stupid thing that I think that isn't accurate, especially when someone else says something and you're thinking something based on what they said, but you take it incorrectly and it's not what they meant. That shit can be, you can't react. It's, you can react, but you have to either be willing to come correct if you're incorrect about the way that you reacted, or you're going to have to be just willing to kind of think about the thing. But anyway, Again, I digress. I love this shit, guys. This is my favorite, okay? <clears throat> okay, change what it is that you tell yourself and you get to change how you think, how you feel, and how you act. This means no one makes you angry, nothing makes you anxious, and nothing and no one drives you to romantic distraction. It's your beliefs about those things that do that. And rational emotive behavioral therapy makes a distinction between irrational beliefs that disturb you and rational beliefs that keep you calm even in the face of adversity. And this can even include love of both the unrequited and requited varieties. Now, we're not saying that when stuff happens, it doesn't have an influence because it does. Life checks us curveballs and challenges and love is a very powerful emotion in and of itself. But even in the face of something negative or challenging, you can still remain in control or regain control if you think you've lost it. But looking at the irrational beliefs you hold about that challenge or curveball or object, oh sorry, by looking at the irrational beliefs you hold about that challenge or curveball or object of your affection, I kid you not, like there have just been a couple of words in here that have been wrong that I've had to correct. So I apologize. I apologize for that. Although it should be psychology today that apologizes. <laughs> I demand an apology. <clears throat> Hold on, I need a sip of coffee. Mm. Sadly, this is easier said than done. Kind of like most things. As a rational language surrounds us, we hear other people speak it, we speak it, we think it, and we feel it. It's on our televisions, and it's in our books, and if you listen to music, it is most definitely in our songs, especially our love songs. When it comes to love and relationships, most lyrics are very irrational indeed. Take All You Need Is Love by the Beatles, for instance. Do you? Do ya? Is love all that you need? Do you even need it at all? 
You need air, you need water, and you need food and shelter, as without these things you will die. But you can live a life without love. You may not like that life, but you will survive. Love, then, is nice to have, but you don't have to have it. But we all know how love songs tend to go, whether they are in a pop, dance, rock, or blues vein, and whether it's some delicate strings or a thumping bass that accompanies them. They tend to go a little bit like this. You ready for this? I have to have you. You have to love me. There's you and only you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Love, love, love. I can't stand life without you. <laughs> Life's not worth living without you. I'll never find love again. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Love, love, love. <laughs> well, when spun through the rational emotive behavioral therapy machine, lurks such as those above tend to come out a lot like this. We've put it through the translator, kids. Are we ready? I would like to have you, but I don't have to have you. And I would like you to love me, but you don't have to love me. There's someone else out there who will reciprocate my feelings. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Love, love, love. (laughs) It just sounds not as cool, huh? I might find it difficult to deal with if I don't have you, but I can cope with that. I will find other things in life enjoyable in the meantime and eventually fall in love with someone else. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Love, love, love. Okay, so lyrics like that will not a hit love song make, but they are going to introduce some sanity into the proceedings, which, by the way, I will mention, I think, is pretty important, which might be better for both you and your relationship. That said, when it comes to enjoying yourself on the 14th of February, by all means, snuggle up to your significant other, only don't whisper, I can live if living is without you, into their ear as you do so. Rational it may be, but romantic it is not. Happy Valentine's Day. Fuck you down your fire. Don't say happy Valentine's Day to me. You're so rude. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah, love songs really are kind of like that. It's just the the most extreme version of a feeling that people are trying to express. Because as I said, it really is something that just kind of makes you feel a little bit crazy. You know, how? How do you do this? How does someone make you feel like nobody will ever make me feel like this? Oh my gosh. Yes, they will. (laughs) It'll be different because it'll be somebody different. But love is just one of those things I think you get to catch for a little while. You know, um, it's not something you totally get to control. Making a relationship work is an entirely different thing. Not saying you can't stay in love forever. Not saying that it's not real or anything like that. But it has a function. And that function is not to just make sure that you stay with someone forever and live some romantic fairy tale life. No, love is something that's important for bonding, for human pair bonding. And also it's something that makes you want to fuck to have babies, okay? And to rear your children and not eat them. That's what love is. It is oxytocin. It is chemicals in your brain. And those chemicals in your brain interact a very specific way and create a very specific thing. And we're just high on it because the media and fucking all these people use it to sell us shit. All the the emotions that we feel the strongest, you know, the desire for sex, the desire for or, or just hunger in general, all these advertising companies have just taken that and they've just hit that button and all their advertisements include 
just they just hit the love note or they hit the the note of oh community or they hit the note of oh you need this to be cool for status or whatever or you need this to fuck you know what I mean like they've taken all those things and they've fed it to us in these 30 second advertisement that make us want to buy their shit and they've totally Disney has romanticized what love is too and I think a lot of people just have a crazy idea of what it is it's better to be rational about it you know what I mean it doesn't feel rational at all but it's good to recognize that it's not rational so that you can deal with just the vicissitudes of any emotion you're gonna feel for a while you know what I mean it's up and down it's in and out it weaves and it, it just it's all over the place and that's I think how human beings are I think we like to tell ourselves that we are, I mean, we are creatures of habit, but feelings are not habitual things. And you notice that when people try to live like they're habitual things, they often end up being incredibly unhappy because they're trying to create something that is no longer there. But before I get into depressing or kind of a bummer zone, I'm just going to stop there. That was a fun article. I like that kind of stuff. I should really pick some love songs, shouldn't I? I think it's time to make a fire CD. Remember back in the day in like elementary school, because burning CDs used to be a really cool thing to do before MP3 players came out and stuff. Um, I remember making my first boyfriend a CD of songs that we both loved that were like our love songs or whatever. And uh, those associations have always kind of stuck. You know what I mean? And they always do. A song is so powerful, especially if you and someone you love love a song together. Dude, that shit is crazy. I love it. I love it so much. I love loving the same music as somebody and all that kind of stuff. It's awesome. It's awesome. And music is just one of those things, you know? Brings people together. Anyway, what else can I read? Let's see one more, shall we? Um, it's like all the ones that I have are all relationship ones. How, how a new way to solve your relationship problems. Like, why am I reading these? I don't have any crazy relationship problems yet. Dun, dun, dun. I guess we'll see, right? When it's fresh and new, everything is fantastic. But... At the same time, you get to talk to someone enough and if you've had run-ins with them and you kind of understand how you deal with those things, generally tend not to be in a very fighty, argue, want to start shit kind of zone and things just kind of work, you know? They just kind of work. The relationship between politics and morality. Shall we just do this? This is like totally out the, totally different. I don't want to get rid of or read all of these, um... All these lovey-dovey ones, so I should save one of those per day, right? Let's do it. Let's read something politics, because it's not exactly my fave. <sighs> Sometimes I gotta do that too, you know. The relationship between politics and morality. It might not be what you think. It sure feels as though American politics has become increasingly polarized in recent years. And there's good reason to think. This is not just because you had to sit through a holiday dinner with that aunt and uncle. 
Moreover, it is not just happening here. Much ink has been spilled of late dissecting the rise of extreme political ideologies worldwide, especially on the far right. Oh, especially on the far right, huh? Please, nigga, please. Despite the apparent threats to liberal democracy, it is tempting to take comfort in the thought that our shared humanity and moral commitments will keep the political tides at bay. People, it may seem, will only be willing to follow their political leaders so far before the moral breaks kick in. A rising chorus of voices has begun sounding the alarm that this optimism amounts to wishful thinking. When the cruelty becomes the point, morality no longer functions as a guardrail for politics. Rather, people's sense of right and wrong is co-opted for political ends. When political ideology is in the driver's seat, a more extreme polarized political landscape readily gives way to a more depraved moral reality. Yeah. Although, I don't know about this article, but I just think that these propensities to war, and I don't mean like country versus country. I just mean within factions, within governments, whether those are ideological wars or whatever, these are the things that are going to occur. Um, and yeah, people don't give a shit when they want to win. You know what I mean? When people want to win, they'll do some shady ass shit to do so. And uh, that's all of us. You know what I mean? I'm sure if I really, really wanted something really badly and I had to do something mildly fucked up to get it, I might just do it. I don't know. I can't say I wouldn't and I can't 100% say I would because it feels shitty to say that I would. But in the moment, you just don't know what you're going to do. <clears throat> Sexy, right? <laughs> my throat. Anyways, <clears throat> sorry about that. Clear my throat. Where was I? When political ideology is in the driver's seat, a more extreme polarized political landscape readily gives way to a more depraved moral reality. In the name of us, they must suffer. Exactly. Bleak as it may be, this pessimistic warning is not without merit. It is founded on the thought that morality is no match for politics. And the available evidence suggests that there may be something to this. Recent research suggests that political ideology largely shapes moral judgment and not the other way around. Hmm. Yeah, moral judgment doesn't shape politics because if it did, then politics wouldn't be as ruthless, would it? The inspiration for this research is moral foundations theory, which posits five or six evolved psychological mechanisms that combine in various ways to produce rapid, intuitive, evaluative judgments and explains differences in political orientation in terms of differential reliance on these foundations. Liberals tend to form judgments influenced predominantly by two or three of the foundations, care, fairness, and perhaps liberty, whereas conservatives tend to form judgments influenced by all of them including loyalty, authority, and sanctity. Importantly, MFT does not claim that people are consciously aware of the influence of these psychological mechanisms on their thinking. In fact, the theory follows on the heels of an account of moral thought in which moral reasoning mostly functions as post-hoc rationalization of rapid, intuitive moral judgments. We seek reasons to make sense of our feeling that what someone did was bad, as opposed to feeling that way for these reasons which is fucking crazy. And that's everything we do too. We do something and we rationalize it post hoc. That's our behavior. That's our feeling. 
because we don't have control over the way that we react to the world and we don't necessarily have control about the way that we initially consider things. Now, our brain is like this probabilistic calculating machine that takes all the experience that it has gained from the previous years of your living, integrates that stuff in a way to produce a result that it has determined is best for the situation based on calculations we have no fucking hand in. Okay, it's very fucking crazy how this shit works. On a deeper level, these calculations are not controlled by anything that we're doing. The only thing that we can do is pick in to prior experiences we may have had and try to piece it together. But how we come up with certain feelings, morals towards certain situations, total mystery. And it's, it's, we're going to try and make reasons of that. Because that's what we do. We tell ourselves a story. The story is necessary for us to have a linear, just a linear set of statements that can create a coherent narrative to understand situations. The brain works very quickly. But anyways, I do digress again. Extending this to the political realm, we arrive at something like the view that the reasons we give for voting one way or another are largely rationalizations of the way our moral gut feelings have shaped our political leanings. There certainly does seem to be a correlation between distinct political ideologies and distinct patterns of moral judgment. But correlation is not causation. Do moral judgments really cause or explain political ideology or vice versa? That is the question three political scientists set out to test, and they found that the evidence did not support the dominant interpretation of MFT, according to which the casual explanatory relationship runs from morality to politics. If anything, they suggest political ideology influences moral judgments, not the other way around. Moreover, political ideologies appear more stable than moral foundations and are more strongly predictive of them than the reverse. <coughs> The emerging picture is in some ways very similar to the one painted by MFT. Political ideology may be understood in terms of rapid, intuitive judgments stemming from evolved psychological mechanisms. These mechanisms issue in judgments about politically relevant social issues, gay marriage, marijuana, economic issues, union school funding, and defense issues, military spending, or particular wars, for which justifying reasons may be marshaled after the fact. The twist is that our moral judgments, it seems, may arise from the intuitive processes that shape our political orientations and rationalizations of them. This picture supports a certain sort of pessimism about the current political moment. It seems we should not take comfort in the thought that worrying political trends will be kept in check by the better angels of our nature. It's possible that the political winds will blow the angels from our shoulders. If morality indeed follows politics, the way to shape what is considered beyond the moral pale is through shaping what is considered politically palatable. Which is crazy, because if, if it is this way... If it is that politics controls or has more of an influence over our moral judgment than vice versa, it does kind of seem super important to get the political faction aspect of our lives, of our countries together, huh? But the thing is, I mean, p p politics is a stage where our morals and our ideas kind of go to argue and 
all of our our fucking values are just being represented by super shitty people who have their own self-interest that they want to deal with, therefore are not taking into account um, our moral judgments in general first. You know what I mean? Like they are foregoing morality in a lot of ways for personal gains. So yeah, it would make sense that because that's how that whole fucking complex runs, that they're going to give a shit more about the political aspect of the thing that they're in than the moral aspect. But they use the moral aspect in politics to make it appear to everybody that that's something they care about. When in the background, civilization is just running, war is still happening, people are making dark room deals and all this kind of shit. <sighs> but all up top, they're just giving you light. Hey... We care about the American people, guys. We care. Or the Canadians or whatever. Name your country. America will just always be the most prominent to me. <sighs> Which is, yes, I understand. Odd coming from a Canadian. But whatever. I grew up there. Interesting, to say the least. Um, definitely not a good flow of the relationship. Obviously, ideally, politics would be influenced more by our moral judgment. But I think morals are a lot more fuzzy than we like to think. I mean, there's obvious situations in which morality and, and the moral decision, the correct moral decision is very easy to distinguish and make. But there are a lot of cases where it is not. And I guess that's where we stand right now. We're all just in a in kind of this amorphous sea of confusion when it comes to what's morally correct, right? Because what's chaos for the fly is normal for the spider. You know what I mean? It's a bit different for everybody. I wish eBay would stop emailing me because I just haven't used their shit in a long time and they're kind of whatever. So yeah. Anyways, happy Sunday morning. I think I've talked my face off. I need to um, do the work thing and get ready and do the hair thing and do that. And, you know, you know, but I'll be back soon. I hope we can chat soon. Thanks for listening. It was nice to have you stop by. Remember, if you want to get hold of me and all that kind of stuff, there's stuff in the description box for you to do that. Hey, if you drink coffee, buy yourself a what mug. Very good for you. I tell you, it's, it's cute. Go do it and then send me a picture of your adorable face with my mug and then I can put it on my Instagram and feel kind of cool, okay? Okay. Anyway, I hope you have a great day because bye.